Hello and welcome to the Irish Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Halton. I'm an entrepreneur, investor, and financial independence enthusiast, sharing my financial freedom journey. Stay tuned and welcome aboard. Yes, yes, yes. I fully get the irony that in December I did a part one interview and then waited weeks until I released part two. And I do apologize. I had a mini retirement in December. Christmas hit, January hit, and all of a sudden time was going so much faster than I had expected. And here we are, far too late. But if you haven't already, please go back to part one of Tom's interview. And I'm going to head over and get us straight into part two. So Tom, I think we've largely covered the FI side of the FIRE movement. So let's jump on to the early retirement aspect. What's your take? And is it something that you're actively looking to pursue? And is it something that you're actually considering? Yeah, so I I, I find it funny that I'm in a rare situation that I actually love my job. I really like my job and I would happily work my job. And to be honest, I don't really want to retire early, which sounds like blasphemy in, in, in this podcast. But I like my job. I really like it. It kind of gives me a bit of purpose in life. I like the role I'm in. It, it's a lot of freedom involved. Like there's no there's no Monday sorrows of going to the office in the lashing rain, like Anna Lewis in the middle of Dublin. I'm just can casually roll out of bed, might go to the gym in the morning, come back and I'm in my office like I, I it, there's for early retirement for myself it's it's a yeah it's a dream and I think I, I, I can get there with if I follow the plan but it's um for me I think I can see myself working to maybe 35 40 and then um working but to keep working but not maybe three days a week maybe two days a week just cut my salary in half like if I'm earning I'd like to see myself earning maybe six figures at that age if I can cut that in half and I have uh, rental income from properties, I, I'll, I, I see no problem with that. And I, I still think I would like to work. I think if I don't work, I'm that type of person that, that needs something. I, I need, I'll be doing something. I, I, I don't think I'll ever not stop working. Even when I'm 90, I think I'll have something, some side gig that I'll be working on um, if I get to 90. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's coast fire i think is what most people would say that i'd be semi working i'd say or, or or cutting down drastically cutting down my hours but always working in 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 the background yeah and this is this is really quite interesting and to be honest tom i'm so impressed that you've identified this so early on and it is funny when you talk about stopping work at 35 or 40 because obviously that's the age i'm at now and i definitely don't feel ready to stop work at 40. In fact, you'll likely find like I have that that time from kind of 35 plus is really feels like you're moving into another chapter of your career, a far better chapter, one where you get to dictate a lot more of the way that you want to work. I think a lot of the modern day fire movement is more about work optional, or at least any sort of true retirement doesn't really exist. What we're really retiring from is the nine to five grind. And that's why we see so many influencers who retire only to then work on their blogs or go and do some other form of income generation. And it's only natural. As humans, we're designed to be productive beings. I like your concept of cutting back to maybe three or four days a week. Part of me taking a mini retirement is because I want to explore the notion 
of maybe working full time, but taking lots of time off throughout the year, maybe two or even three mini retirements each year of maybe three to four weeks or more. And certainly the contract that I'm in at the moment would allow that. So it is something that I'm actively pursuing. When I look at my own life and my own family's life from 2017 before we started FIRE and now, there's a huge difference. The funny thing is, is that the closer I've got to FIRE, the more I've actually started enjoying work. And I know that Tina from Money Flamingo talks about it. She says that when we start our careers, and actually you've been fortunate enough not to experience this, but for most of us, when we start our careers, we find ourselves in this kind of menial junior roles. And we have this kind of habit, if you like, of assuming that that's what work is. And certainly in my case, I guess I always knew I was a good web developer. I, I always felt like it was my thing and I understood it. But for so many years, I had to work on bad projects with bad clients with unreasonable deadlines and underpaid and all these sort of things. And eventually I've managed to find myself in a position where I've got great clients and I have a great contract and the freelance work that I do is for people that I actually like and want to work with and projects that I get to work on on my own terms. And on top of that, you have this post-COVID world of flexibility around work and the whole nine to five thing has completely changed. It's, it's no longer nine to five. There's no requirement for me to be at my desk from nine to five per se. I have complete flex time. So when I start to piece my life together today than what I had to do seven years ago, it's very, very different. So if I even look at my life in 2017, I was working full time. I was freelancing, being paid by the hour, very little job security, struggling to have enough money to buy food and bills, just covering our expenses overall, no such thing as an emergency fund or even anything close to it. And any sort of emergency expense that would come up would immediately put massive stress and pressure on us. We had no savings or investments outside our primary residence. We basically were working to cover our basic expenses and we just had no control on our spending as well, which was the scary thing. I remember saying to a friend at one stage, I don't even look at my bank account. I just don't want to know. It's just out of control. And as a result of all of that, I despise work because I had to go to work and I had to take those work projects that were underpaid and for bad clients because I had no other choice. I needed the money. And that all compounds in a negative way. And that creates this, oh God, Monday's coming again, another week syndrome that I'm sure all of us have experienced at one stage or another. And when we contrast 2017 to today, it couldn't be more different. We've got this investment portfolio that's going to snowball whether we add to it or not. We're content and in control of our spending. I work less than I did in 2017, yet make a lot more. I have complete flexibility and freedom around my own schedule. And the work that I'm doing is meaningful. I'm respected by my clients and my colleagues. And most of the time, I enjoy it. And the funny thing is that I started this journey looking to get away from work and to escape this work trap. But the longer that I've discovered this and the closer I get to fire, the more I realize that it was actually never about retiring young but it was about building a life that was so good one didn't want to retire from it. And in many ways, that's the life that I've found that I've built for myself today. And what's great about your story, Tom, is it sounds to me like you share a lot of that already. You know, you're saying that you love your job. You don't have that fear of Mondays. I'm very much the same. And it makes the whole fire journey quite interesting, I think, because when we start our fire journeys, it seems like this huge thing. It's going to take years and years and years. But we realize pretty quickly that if we can get to at least, say, a quarter of our fire number, that will give us enough momentum to start feeling like we can break away 
from this nine to five rat race. And ultimately, that's the thing that we're looking to escape from. The rest of it becomes so much better that the extra effort required to hit, say, full financial independence or hit that next stage of your fire journey gets to a stage where it's not worth the extra effort because we can be so content in the stage that we are now. So even using that for my own example, we're currently at the flamingo fire stage. In other words, we're a little bit past our halfway point. But you quickly realize when you start to do the numbers that we can just let our portfolio grow in the background. I think that that's what you were alluding to earlier when you mentioned about going down to three or four days a week is that it allows us to do that. Now for me, I'm not so big on reducing my work weeks because... I'm wondering if that will add stress to the fact that I'm missing a day and then need to catch up. So for me, this concept of the mini retirement, I think is better because I can do a block of work and then break and then come back to another block of work and really focus on that and be able to get absorbed in that, which is really exciting. So yeah, I think you managed to work stuff out that's taken me years to work out and avoid a lot of those traps. So fair play. I am interested to hear a little bit about the fact, because I know that you're obviously, you're only 26. When I was 26, that was actually when I met my now wife and I guess started settling down a little bit. And I was 26 when I found out that my oldest son was coming. So, you know, you're not at that stage yet. Do you think that your outlook will change when it comes to potentially having a family and having a partner one day? And how do you think that you're going to be able to adapt to that in terms of bringing somebody on board to this great life that you've already built for yourself? Yeah, so of course, uh, that like kids definitely change things. My my sister, um, yeah, like my sister just had a kid there. It was the first child in our family, I suppose. So you can kind of see the costs involved and stuff. And obviously, that's not the way I would look at it. But yeah, of course, things do change. But I I feel like I'm just happy to go at the pace I am at the moment. And look, things will change. And if that does, I, I I'm I know I'm I'm okay to to take that on. And uh, whether that be um, a couple of kids, which I, I do want. That's 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 not to say I, I don't want the kids at all because of a money aspect. It's absolutely not the case at all. But like as I said, I'm still young. I'm I've got plenty of years ahead of me. And uh, right now, that my strategy is is just what I'm doing me personally. But if I do meet the right person and we settle down, of course things might change. I might not even be in Ireland. Who knows? I mightn't be here in five, ten years time. But at the moment. My strategy is that it will. So uh, things change and and life happens, but um, at the moment that's kind of kind of my strategy and stuff. Yeah, look, well done, and I like the fact that you're so open to living, which is hugely exciting, and certainly is something that I had to allow myself to have, even considering moving to Ireland and making such a massive massive lifestyle change. Which, when you think about it, was nothing but a twist of fate. Had I gone into a different pub or gone to the same pub at a different time then my path wouldn't have crossed with my significant other. In many ways, Tom, I'm envious of the fact that you've managed to work this stuff out at such a young age where it definitely took me a lot longer. Are you able to explain a little bit about your own financial education and how you came to discover all of this stuff? It's interesting you said about your financial education and when you were my age, you didn't really have that. To be honest, I didn't really get... like My financial education was done all online. I, I say my parents were... Were, were a great incentive but they were extremely risk averse because they went through the recession in 2008 my mum worked in the bank she could see it firsthand like she i don't want to go into too much detail but instead of getting bonuses we got bank shares or i didn't get bank shares my parents got bank shares and they went to nothing basically and they thought they had this big pot and of course i look at it now and i i'm not critical of them but i'm like how could you just have everything in one share in one bank like it, it makes no sense how is that not diversified but they did and they 
they that really punished them and that, and they're extremely risk averse so when they see their son at 25 26 trying to buy a second property in a year and like and only a year after they bought his first they're extremely like anti-risk basically whereas i would be the opposite not the opposite i would be trying to push back against that because i came from such a risk averse family i suppose because of their backgrounds so I, I never really got any of my financial education from my parents i got the ability to save and like don't live beyond my means i suppose and um but the actual financial education of where to invest what to buy that was purely just from research online and 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 following the likes of yourself michael like i can see your investing journey has been from peer-to-peer investing to like it's changed quite a lot and i know it's very much quite property focused at the moment which i like i love property because i like finding a deal i like going through different properties i love i go on daft every day if not a couple of times a day to see what refresh button has come up what new properties have come up i love that um i like viewing properties but yeah it's um for me the reason i like property is obviously cash flow and it's an asset and you can physically touch it and it's nice to go and say that's that asset is mine that that piece of property there that's mine i can touch it whereas with stocks and etfs it's just a figure on a spreadsheet although stocks and etfs they're passive you don't need to do anything you, you can just forget about it you can forget you even own that whereas that's very much the opposite in, in property you do need to uh, every month do something something will go wrong and you have to factor that in but the fact with property is i love the fact that one obviously it's the rental income is quite nice to see that coming in and two is that's your property you own a piece of asset there and uh yeah that, that's kind of I, I again i know that was a bit of a side tangent but when you talk about stocks and pensions and property my favorite just from a enjoyment standpoint like a, i actually really enjoy looking through properties and looking to try find deals where stocks is slightly on the boring side which is good boring is good if you want to invest boring is the way forward like i i've never invested in crypto i'm not interested in crypto i people always ask me why aren't you investing in cryptocurrency or i honestly think these are fads and i just don't think they're i i don't trust them i understand the concept behind them and the technology behind them but i i, I just i i'm i'm not in short like i'm not in for short-term wins I, I know the slow gain over time it's it's like i follow these like warren buffett is the perfect example of that i think he 95 percent of his wealth was created over the age of 60 and that was just purely due to compound interest it was just purely due to he had a bigger pot and it just compound and compound and the more longer the time you leave it in there the faster it will grow just it, it's it's uh and I know that's very punishable as well in Ireland, uh, which is another story. And we could probably do a podcast on that again, or like a completely other podcast on how the tax treatment of ETFs in Ireland is disgraceful to say the least. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, it is what it is. But um, as I said, the pension is 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 the only way really to to invest in these ETFs. So that, yeah, to be honest, Tom, it's a real pity about the Dean disposal, although. There was talk in the last budget of potential changes to that, so we can only hope with bated breath that something might change in the near future. It's really interesting what you mentioned about Warren Buffett there, and I mean, look, there's no secret that compounding is a massive thing, and in many cases in the FIRE movement, we don't really get to experience it full hand because we're trying to do things so quickly. But when we stop and reflect a little bit, giving our investment 
portfolios. The power of time is something that we probably don't always truly appreciate. My mother-in-law loves to buy the lottery. She dreams of winning the Euro Millions, even though she doesn't actually have anything in particular that she would want to spend the money on. She had a Euro Millions ticket lying around over the weekend. So I actually picked it up and went up to the computer and checked it for her, knowing, of course, that it was very unlikely that she was going to win something. But while I was there, I decided to play a little bit with the numbers and see what the opportunity cost was of her buying that Euro Millions every week for €3.50. Firstly, I was able to calculate that the odds of her winning were 3 in 10 million. So she has a 3 in 10 million chance of winning that lottery. I then went further and calculated that assuming that she purchased a lottery ticket from the time she was 18, and assuming that she were to live for another 80 years, to age 98, that she would have less than 5,000 draws, so less than 5,000 opportunities to win that Euro Millions. I then calculated the amount that she would have, assuming that instead of buying lottery tickets, she simply saved and invested that €3.50 each week in the S&P 500. I assumed a fairly generous return of 7%, just for sake of argument. And I asked her just how much she thought she would have had by the age of 98. The answer? Just under €680,000 which simply shows the power of compounding. The interesting thing is most of that compounding was going to take place in the last 30 years, which sums up perfectly your example of Warren Buffett. It might seem strange that somebody's wealth can grow that much in 30 years, but when you do that simple example, it's fairly obvious to see why. You've done me a favor, Tom, mentioning cryptocurrency. It isn't something I've talked a huge amount on the podcast it is something that I dabbled with in the early days of my FIRE journey, never to a significant amount. However, I quickly saw several red flags and eventually withdrew everything from the cryptocurrency investments. It's actually funny being in IT because it was a couple of years back now that we were debating a potential database solution. And one of the other programmers joked, hmm, maybe we should consider using blockchain. And the funny thing was that we all laughed. Because we all know how ridiculous a notion it is when it comes to actually having a tool like that to store data. There's so many other far more efficient ways. And the strange thing about Bitcoin is it isn't just a zero-sum game. It's actually worse than that. So if I were to send you a Bitcoin, Tom, and you send it back to me, we wouldn't have a full Bitcoin at the end of it because of the miners' fees being taken out of it. And those fees could be fairly substantial. There's lots of reasons why cryptocurrency is best to be left alone. But given that it just doesn't actually do anything, nor serve any practical value, that it's effectively a speculation that you're hoping that somebody will buy it off you for more than what you paid, it just doesn't make much sense to me. Furthermore, the risk of it being even stolen or hacked is so significant that it just doesn't seem like a good long-term investment. Tom, it's been wonderful having you on the show today. I really appreciate your time coming on. I definitely would love to have you back on at some stage in the future. I know at the moment you're largely staying anonymous. However, if somebody does want to reach out to you, probably the best place would be to join the Limerick FI WhatsApp group. And guys, if you are interested in learning more from Tom and myself, you're welcome to join that group. Just drop me an email 
at michael at firepodcast.ie. Equally, if you do have any questions for Tom and you don't have WhatsApp or don't want to join the group, feel free to drop me an email and I'll make sure to pass it on to Tom. Tom, I'm going to let you finish up the episode. What wisdom would you give to somebody if you had to summarize the fire movement in only a few sentences? Thanks again for being on. There's so many investing podcasts in Ireland and there's so many things, but realistically it comes down to like one or two things that like just increase your pension contributions and maybe look at saving a bit more. And if you have the money, maybe get a second pro- or get another property. But like, there's nothing like, there's no tricks. There's no, to, like literally, if someone came to me, I was like, if you have five seconds, I was like, yeah, this is what you should do. And if you follow this for the rest of your life, you'll be flying. Like. <laughs>